0: Over the next few weeks, then, in October and November, we're going to look at the subject of prayer on a Sunday morning. Now, we pray a lot in church anyway, but we want to really focus our attention on it because it's that important. We want to think about it a lot. And I've found, because I've been a Christian over 30 years, but for me, prayer is a real mystery. You just think, wow, I don't... know." know 1% about prayer or 1% about God, it's impossible to know very much at all, is it? But as I've learnt and I've gone through things in life, so I've come in a way to expect things and then sometimes God just turns them round and, and sort of says to you, well, that's what happened last time, but for your love and your benefit, it's going to be turned round and something else is going to happen this time. And maybe it's the same in your life, as you've been praying and learning about prayer and, and saying, yes, Lord, I want to hear from you. So I'm sure God's been speaking to you a lot too. Today, we're speaking, especially thinking about God is here. Open our eyes and our ears. There's lots of words that describe prayer in the Bible. And one of them, prosuke, is, is sort of saying we're going to exchange our wishes because pros is coming towards and near and then UK is the wishes, the prayer. So it's got to be an intimate thing. As we come to God, we're going to be really intimate and close with him. How important this is a, uh, a rhetorical question so I don't need to answer it out loud but how important is prayer to you? How, impre- how important is prayer to all of us? And I suppose what we need to do is get a perspective on what prayer's about, don't we? So who's the best person to ask on about a perspective on prayer? It's Jesus, isn't it? So you don't know it yet, but underneath all your chairs, I've put an invisible console. Just have a look. You'll see an invisible console, and it's got five invisible buttons on it as well. So if you want to get it out, you'll see there's five buttons on it. It says A, B, C, D, and sorry, I haven't got a clue. So, if you just get those out, I can see some people at the back. Paul, you haven't got yours out yet. Can you just get it from (laughs) underneath, please? Because we've got a quick question. Yeah, we all like quick questions, don't we? Don't press your buttons yet, otherwise it will mess it up. All right. So, (laughs) here's a quick question. Don't say anything out loud. Wait until all the alternatives are there. There's four alternatives. Okay. Jesus said... My house will be called a house of, don't say anything just yet, wait for the alternatives. I'm sure it's going to come. A. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of lovely music. Okay, all right, okay, let's just ponder our thoughts a little bit, because lovely music is lovely, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of excellent sandwiches. Yeah, but did Jesus say that in the Greek or Aramaic, or is it just in my English translation? I've got that. Yeah, okay, so perhaps Jesus didn't say that either. Ooh, what did Jesus say? My My house will be called a house of prayer. What do you think? Maybe, okay, let's have a look at the fourth one, and then we're going to do a bit of voting. My house will be called of insightful talks where we listen and we get into the Greek and get into the Hebrew and fall asleep. Is is that what happens? Insightful talks? We need them, don't we? We need to know about the Bible. We need to know about God. But I think we all know what Jesus said. Let's just press on invisible consoles. Oh, you're so good just acting out like that. That's really good. Okay, and what does the computer say? Prayer, hooray! So we all got that right, I'm sure, didn't we? Yay, great. Now, where does it say that? Matthew 21, 13. Jesus had recently come into Jerusalem, and he was in the temple. What did he see in the temple precincts and things? Not just people praying and getting close with God, but people making money. People doing commercial things, not doing what God had said in the first place. And so Jesus was very serious about it. He was saying, yeah, commercialism has crept in, that's wrong, get out of here. We need to be praying, we need to be worshipping. That's what Jesus said. Because Jesus said, his house, which is this building here, we're in God's house, aren't we? And as we go to other buildings, we're in God's house as well. His building, his temple, will be a house of prayer. And as Paul was saying earlier, often we pray when we're here, and we do lots of things and encourage it at home. But for these next few weeks, we want to make a special purpose, a special sort of priority to saying, yes, let's learn to pray more. Let's get excited. Let's expect what God might do to do unexpected things. So that was an easy question. Here's another rhetorical question. I don't want you to answer it out loud. Just answer it in your head. Is prayer a burden to you? We could look at that in two ways, couldn't we? We can experience helpful and unhelpful burdens. So it might be, like you've seen on the front of the newsletter this week, that it says, constantly pray. And it's got a scripture for it, so it says it in the Bible, constantly pray. But you just think, oh, God, you don't know how busy I am. We're told constantly pray, so maybe it's a burden, it's just, oh, I can't do that. Also in a magazine, I put this. One week is so many minutes. Maybe the sleeping, washing, travelling, talking, doing chores, eating, drinking are the essentials. Maybe there's other essentials as well. Maybe it's prayer in the category of essentials. Or do we put it in the what else, like the, oh, I'll do it if I get time category. I don't want that to be a burden to you, like I'm saying, but is that what God is calling us to do, to just do prayer when we've got time and all these other things as essentials? Or does God say, come on, I want to know you better and you certainly need to know me better. So come and pray, come and commune, come and have a chat, come and listen. In a couple of weeks' time, when the next, uh, on, the, uh, next onward is published, you'll see this, Martin Luther. Oh, he's one of my heroes. Such a, an amazing man. And he said, I have so much... He said it in a German accent, because he was German, of course. Well, he said it in German, but I'm not going to pretend to do a German accent. He said, in an English accent, I have so much to do today, I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Is that a burden to you? Is that like, oh, a superhuman person like Martin Luther said it and he did it. I've got some other things. I don't want them to be a burden to you, but they might be. Maybe you've read books on prayer. I certainly have over quite a few many years. Seven great prayer warriors. And it's the word great. I mean, they're wonderful and you read it and you get excited and it's brilliant. But sometimes when I see it on the shelf and maybe my prayer life isn't tip top that day or hasn't been for a few days, I look at the word great and I think, oh, that's a burden. God's calling me to pray more and be a great prayer warrior that's not me, on that certain day. Sometimes it is. Oh, here's another one. Great revivalists. And again, it talks about lots of people who were great in God. But sometimes, I don't know about you, it might just put a bit of a burden on me, thinking, that is that word again, great. How am I meant to be like that every day? Let God Increase the helpful burden and decrease the unhelpful burden and that 's what i 've been praying for myself today, and maybe we can pray for each other over the next sort of hour or so that as God gives us a burden to pray, so we can say, Lord, I want more of that, that you'll give me the heart for a nation like Mongolia or Burkina Faso or something like that, just some a country that perhaps you 've never been to before. And God just starts whispering in your ear about it. Or He just sort of says, Alabama. Or He might say, Nice. Or He might say, Have you thought about Casablanca recently? All of these places. Or He might sort of say a person's name. And you just sort of think, Yes, Lord. I need to be praying for whoever more. Please, will you help me and remind me, encourage me to have that burden for the person because that's a helpful burden. To be praying and saying, Lord, yeah, you're instilling something in me that I haven't done for ages or I haven't done yesterday or today and you're reminding me, go and pray. And that's a helpful burden when he encourages you and he sort of sees the time just open up for 20 minutes or half an hour or an hour to find something out about the person. We'll talk a bit more about that later. But we can pray, Lord, will you take away this unhelpful burden, I, I feel, this unhelpful burden of having to be a great prayer, or giving two hours to it, or three hours like Martin Luther did before he was sort of out and about because he was that busy. He had to pray a long time about the things he was doing. So we can pray Lord yes help me to pray in a good way but Lord help me not to accept it when it's kind of maybe from the enemy and he says yeah you haven't prayed enough Uh, call yourself a Christian I've heard the enemy's voice like that sometimes maybe you have as well but God is calling us and wants us to do amazing things with him and of course we get that through spending time with him Here's a good scripture. It's Ephesians 1, 17 to 21. And this is from the NIV. Sorry, I was standing there just so I wouldn't get in anyone's way. So I'll sit down and read it because then it won't make a noise. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you And it's that there, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you and all the rest of it as well. I want my eyes to be enlightened to what God can see wherever I go. It's a bit funny because sometimes we need light in a natural world. I was around someone's house last night and there were older people and they were talking about how they went out for a meal the other day and they were saying, oh, it's a bit dark, I couldn't really see what I was eating. I don't know, if you go to restaurants sometimes that aren't lit so well, maybe that's the same for you sometimes. But there's an easy way that if you're into sport, you'll know exactly about. Because if there's no floodlights, there's going to be no game. If it's late at night, of course. If it's in the middle of the day, it wouldn't matter. But if there's a football game, and it's maybe five o'clock in the evening in winter in this country it's going to be dark and a few times I remember when I used to watch the uh, results program it would say it had been cancelled because of floodlights problems or something like that so if there's no floodlights there's no football game here's verse 18 in the amplified version and I pray that the eyes of your heart the very centre and core of your being may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. Isn't that a great prayer that we can pray for each other? There's so many great prayers in the Bible, and over the next few weeks we're going to be seeing some of those anyway. No floodlights, no prayer, because God has to be the centre of our praying. If God is not there with us, what are we doing? That's not really praying, it's just saying a few words and hoping for the best. But when we know God is at the centre of our prayer life, when the floodlights is going on, that's a brilliant thing. Now, we're just going to read a little bit more about a certain character most of you will have heard of, and that's Elisha. And Jill is going to read from 2 Kings 6, 8 to 23.
1: When the king of Aram was waging war against Israel, he conferred with his servants. My camp will be at such and such a place. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Be careful passing by this place, for the Arameans are going down there. Consequently, the king of Israel sent word to the place the man of God had told him about. The man of God repeatedly warned the king so that the king would be on his guard. The king of Aram was enraged because of this matter, and he called his servants and demanded of them, Tell me, which one of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, No one, my lord, the king. Elisha the prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in your bedroom. So the king said go and see where he is so that I can send men to capture him. When he was told Elisha is in Dothan he sent horses, chariots and a massive army there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early and went out he discovered an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. So he, he asked Elisha, O oh, my master, what are we to do? Elisha said, Don't be afraid, for those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes. He looked and saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When the Aramaeans came against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, please strike this nation with blindness. So he struck them with blindness according to Elisha's word. Then Elisha said to them, this is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me and I will take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. When they entered Samaria, Elisha said, Lord, open these men's eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes. They looked and discovered they were in Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? I will kill them. Elisha replied, Don't kill them. Do you kill those you have captured with your sword or your bow? Set food and water in front of them so that they can eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. When they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. The Aramean raiders did not come into Israel's land again.
0: Now the Bible doesn't give a day-by-day day account of Elisha. But I bet Elisha had sort of done some great things already and his servant had seen things that were just normal things, wouldn't happen. So you can imagine, like, Elisha and his servant, they knew about all the sort of uh, things that were going on, the raiding parties and everything like that. And so when his servant saw all these, like, chariots and horses and armed men with sort of uh, hats on and things like that, how did he feel? I bet, just like Lowell and Hardy, he would have said, that's another fine mess you've got me into, Elisha, or something like that he would have said, wouldn't he? But what I want us to think about is, how did Elijah, how did Elisha react to his servant? Did he sort of say, don't be stupid, God's with us, everything's going to be all right, old chap? He prayed, didn't he? And he prayed because Elisha knew that there was more going on Than could just be seen. Physically, there was all this army surrounding the city, so that was dangerous and hard. But Elisha prayed, and there's one version I particularly like, and that's in the voice. It says, O eternal one, I ask you to allow my servant to see heavenly realities. Open his eyes. Lord, help him to see as you see. Help him to see the heavenly realities that are just as real as this mic stand. Lord, help him to see that. And maybe that's our prayer again for each other today. And not just for today, but over the next few weeks and months as we continue to learn about prayer, whether as a church here or as on the Y1 base or when you sort of in five years' time, you'll still be learning about prayer because I know I will be. But we can say, Lord, help us to see the heavenly realities, the things that are going on, the unseen things, It's just like when something terrible happens in the world. We know that God isn't in a flap. He's not running around heaven saying, angels, angels, what are we gonna do? This has happened on the earth. He's calm. He knows what's happening. And Elisha knew that. And so that's why he was calm. He wasn't running around and saying, oh no, let's just escape, let's do this. But Elisha was calm enough to pray, Lord, open his eyes so that he can see the heavenly realities too. So that's our prayer. Lord, please open our eyes. And eyes, it says. (laughs) Well, you know what I mean by that. Sometimes, when you're typing, do your fingers type faster than your brain is saying? Yeah, that must have happened to me a few days ago. But, oh, this is it, open our eyes and our eyes. So, maybe that's us. Uh, but open our eyes and our ears to you, Lord. That's what we're praying. Because Jesus said something really important about prayer in Luke 11:14, 14. And it was his disciples that came to him with a question. They said, it says in chapter 11, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, I bet it was Peter. He said lots of things Peter did, didn't he? But uh, we don't know. Uh, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. John the Baptist, of course. He said to them, Oh, just tell me, what's the next word in your version? It's not rhetorical this time. What's the next word? So John 11... Verse 2, he said to them, when? When? So Jesus is saying, if you've got time, Jesus isn't saying, if you've got time, when you've done the washing up, and before you go out to work, pray. If you can do this, if you can do that, pray. Jesus' word is, when? Again, Jesus' words and his actions in his life really show us the priority that he gave to prayer which makes us again say lord help me to make that priority in my life too but jesus said when you pray say father hallowed be your name your kingdom come give us each day our daily bread forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us probably we've all prayed here many times and maybe we're praying different ways to each other maybe because of our character or where we live when reuben was younger he was the one doing the claves and stuff my son then he when he was really young like a baby it was a bit different to pray when you've just got a, a newborn baby you have to pray differently sort of when you're rocking him or getting him to sleep or getting him to wind and all this sort of stuff it's different but when you sort of got time on your own sometimes it's just yeah you can spend time in prayer so our different seasons in life mean we might have to pray differently but how do we pray? I've got four quick ideas that you will all have heard of, all it is is just a reminder we can pray in thanks specifically as a confession I'm sorry because we can say would you please and we can praise like a, a general prayer. This thanks in specific, sometimes I really make sure I do it. Because it's sometimes something I forget. Spurgeon said this, We are too prone to engrave our trials in marble and write our blessings in sand. And when I read that this week, I thought, I need to pray more thanks Praise this week, and that's what I've been doing because people from decades and centuries ago, when you read what they've written, you just think, God, you're alive in their lives, you're alive in my life, and you're, they're still speaking because, brilliantly, books are around or other things nowadays as well, aren't they? But yeah, that really got me that I need to give more thanks to God for specific things when I pray. But then all these other things, would you please, Lord, and confessions, and I'm sorry because, and praise and that. But of course, all those are good things to pray about, but then we can just take it a step further. So on the next slide, you'll see lots of things dotted around. So these are some of the things you might do as well. So you might write your prayers down. You might carry out research so you can find out about things. One of the books I use a lot is this. Maybe you use the app or the website as well, fantastic, it's great. Takes you all through the nations of the world with lots of prayer points, it's fantastic. So they could pray through all the countries of the world in a systematic way. Maybe you could read prayers other people have written. I think in uh, this uh, onward, there's a prayer from St. Patrick. He was in the fifth century. And you can read a prayer from hundreds of years ago and just make it your own today. Uh, Don't use actual words. So maybe not say words, but groan a little. Uh, Use your Bible. Do it regularly. Extemporise when praying. So obviously because of the type of church that we are, we sort of feel that's a good thing, that someone will just stand up and say something and say, Lord, from my heart, this is what I'm saying. That's brilliant. But like we said, we can write our prayers down and then pray them. We can use other people's words. Like often, when we pray the Lord's Prayer and the words don't go up, it's kind of a a prayer from 1662. That's over 350 years ago that quite a few of us might know, and we just pray out loud. But it's really old prayer from 350 years or so ago, but it's great to pray. We can pray other people's prayers and make them our own. And variety can be really useful as well, like it says there. So sometimes I listen to people pray on a Sunday morning like Paul did, and I think, oh, I would never have thought of that. And that's really encouraging, isn't it? Because God leads you in one way, but he's leading other people in other ways and sort of just helping them to love and to serve him. And so when they mention something, you just think, oh, I think I'll start praying for that as well. And that's a really good thing. We can listen to other people pray, and that's so good. Sometimes you might, like we talked about earlier briefly, sort of you might have this burden for Malaysia, where the Grand Prix was today. Or you might sort of think, oh Lord, what about uh, Johnny Groats or Wick? or Aberdeen, places in Scotland, or you might sort of think of some places I've never heard of, or maybe a place you've never heard of, and God just says a word, and you open a map, and there it is. It's a place called Oogadoogoo, or wherever you might want them to hear of. So we can be open to God, saying things that we can hear. But variety is really important. Now... Do you all like eating? And you all do it generally. Yeah, that's great. Now, there's one thing I really like, a lot of food I like, but I really like, tiramisu. Oh, isn't it beautiful, tasty? If you've never tried it, I don't, I'm speechless. Yes, I am speechless, you're quite right. If you've never tried it, why not? That's what I should say. But, if I was gonna eat tiramisu today, Which we are. Uh, And then I eat it tomorrow. And then I eat it the next day. Oh, let's have some more tiramisu on Thursday, shall we? Oh, Friday's coming, one of the best days of the week. Oh, I think I'll have some more tiramisu. Oh, there's still some left. Oh, let's have that on Saturday as well. How would I feel internally? Because it's a pick-me-up, isn't it? That's right. But we need a varied diet, don't we? Tiramisu every day, not so good for us, really. What's it like in our prayer life? Please, God, I need. If we do that all the time, what's our prayer life like? We're not going to get so well, are we? If we're just praying, Lord, I need this. Thank you, Lord, I need that. Lord, I need this today. That's not very healthy. God calls us to learn about prayer and to do all sorts of praying. Oh, that's great, isn't it? Because we don't have to just go down one track. Now, I don't know what it's like in other countries. I've never experienced it. But in December, if you work in an office or a warehouse or something like that, in this country, you can hear of secret Santas. Now, do, they do that in other countries as well like where you get gifts for people and they don't say who it is you like might spend five euros or something on someone and uh, they don't know who it's from but it's just a secret Santa. This week God challenged me not to be a secret Santa but to be a secret spiritual Santa. That I can pray for people and they won't know it. But they do really because... When people come and ask me, oh, can I pray for you this week? And I'll say, oh, yes, can you pray about X, Y, and Z? And I feel different that week because people have been praying for me. And it's brilliant when people do come and ask, so thank you very much. But how about you? Could you ask someone today or tomorrow, how can I pray for you this week? How can I be your, well, it's not a secret Santa then, is it? It's a blatant Santa. But you could be a secret Santa by not asking them, but kind of finding out what's going on and just sort of then praying for them regularly and just saying, Lord, they need your help because of finance. They need your help because of time or because of some illness they have. Lord, will you help them? Will you encourage them? So I think God calls us to be a secret Santa. But maybe you don't like that phrase. That's okay. Let's go for God calls us to be a benefactor or an enabler. If you prefer that, that would be just as good. Because God certainly does call us to invest our lives into the lives of other people. We can't just be ourselves and just pray for ourselves. It's that tiramisu-itis we'd get, isn't it? We have to say, Lord, I want to pray for these people. Or someone I don't know, someone I've never met, a country you've thought of, as we've been saying. Lord, help me to be that enabler by praying for people. Maybe there's people that we know of, like jin, Yoon, uh, Jason's son, that's in Korea at the moment, and he's gone there to uh, study, or at least to do an entrance exam, to study divinity there, theology. So we could be praying him for two or three weeks because he's there and he needs our prayers or anyone else that's going like when david went to italy we prayed for her regularly because it's the thing to do and so it's just like yeah when people are out and about doing things for god we can say yes lord i'm not there with them physically but i'm still part of the team i'm still there because you're calling me you're giving me that burden to listen and to pray for other people Right at the very start of this morning, there was a slide on. It didn't say quite this. It said, welcome to an Indian Christian Fellowship. And then it said these four words. Listening, talking, learning and growing. And that's how we want to do things. Well, we do anyway. But especially over the next few weeks, when we're learning about prayer, we want to listen to people at the front. And then we want to talk about it. And we want to be learning and growing as a Christian in prayer. We want to be saying, Lord, I don't want to feel guilty that I don't do enough. I don't want to feel inadequate. That's not the burden that you're going to give me. But Lord, we can accept the burden that God gives and say, thank you, Lord, for that burden. Because God has given us all an invitation today. And this is what it says. Meet me now. Let me open your eyes and ears today. Lots of love, God. RSVP today. So I feel in my life, God is saying, "Come and meet with me." We are going to be talking about prayer, but it's all about God. It's not a a sort of a a thing where we just have ideas and then we pray the ideas. It's about getting close to God. It's about knowing Him better than we've ever known Him before, because we're spending time with Him and and saying to Him, "Lord, I'm Your child." I want to follow you. I want to know you. And that's what we're going to be praying about today. Because as each week goes by over the next few weeks, we're not just going to listen to someone talk about prayer, because that would seem a bit pointless, wouldn't it, just listening. We want to then talk and learn by doing it in the service as well. So that's what we're going to be doing, praying about some of the things we've mentioned already. And we're going to be saying, yes, Lord, help me to follow you. Help me to learn more about prayer. So we're going to pray now and then for a little while we're going to have some time of response so we can sort of say, yes, Lord, I'm all for this. I want to know you. I'm going to worship God together as well. But let's just pray to help us along our way. Thank you, Lord, that you do call us to pray. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to intimacy with you. Lord, today I accept that invitation. I say, Lord, as you take me by the hand, I'm going to follow you. I want to stick close to you. I want to see the things you would have me see. To hear the things you would have me hear, Lord, because I'm thankful that I am your child, and you love me. Thank you for all of us here, though, Lord. We say the same things for ourselves and our families and those that are, are those that we love and know, Lord will you increase our appetite for you? Lord, our desire, our burden, so that we just really are head over heels in love with you again, Lord, and say, Lord, we just want to spend time with you, listening and doing what you'd have us to do. Because, Lord, we ask it in your name. Amen.